work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem. And welcome back to our standing hosts. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks very much. It's good to be back. Um... Missed being able to excavate your sermons. Okay. Well. As we post-mortem, you're preaching. (laughs) Preaching of my husband, Jim Anger, who's sitting in front of me. Exactly. And we'll continue to have to figure out with an increase in other work hours for UM how we can keep doing this. But we got it. Enough about me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I've been off to a different job. You know, for some reason, people don't like having their photos taken when it's like... 20 degrees out outside no idea why as like i just looked out the window i think there's a kid who's wearing a santa claus hat oh um merry christmas christmas year round uh, yeah if it's, when it's cold and it doesn't feel like christmas it's it's just january <laughs> here we are <laughs> very true and probably mo- most of the feedback that we got from last week's podcast when Scott Flovin and I were on was, wait, Emily has a new job? So that was the, <laughs> right. you got these random, <laughs> That's not, not random, yeah. but texts and emails from people saying, hey, what's the scoop? I know. What else can we tell them? Hmm. <laughs> well, you, you already said enough about me. I'm happy to keep going. Lots of things to drop, but we'll have to, we'll, we'll save them for like late in the podcast. So you have to listen. That's right. what I, the teasers and then, um, yeah, but you never know what you're going to find out by listening to the Post Sunday Blues. Very true. I think we've established that thus far. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. We're going to hop in and uh, talk about your sermon from this past Sunday. Um, I asked for feedback from people in our household and they blinked at me. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a stunner. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I Yeah, no, I enjoyed it as usual, but... Um, now I'm talking in circles. <laughs> You're just <laughs> looking at me like, why are you not Scott? <laughs> no, I, I can guarantee you that I've never looked at you and wondered why you're not Scott. No offense to Scott I, or to Emily. I'm, I'm glad about that. <laughs> Anyhow, let's uh, let's move to call it Stormy Monday. And, yep, yep you were going to say? You're I was gonna... just going to start talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to explain Call It Stormy Monday since this title means Please so do. little. Please do. I, I love to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> Call It Stormy Monday, we're revamping. How are you feeling about your sermon after sometimes, I remember back in the day, uh, I've probably said this on the podcast even, like you wouldn't talk about your sermon on Monday like or even Sunday. I wanted to I want to get immediate feedback at lunch after church and you were like, No <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I need time away. Uh, but no, how are you feeling about about uh preaching through Genesis right now and I don't know, is this a curveball? How are you no. feeling? I'm doing okay. So we were at the beginning of Genesis chapter three on Sunday and this is the story of the fall. There's a little bit of a shift happening around now with the sermon series in a couple of different ways. One, we've finished up Genesis 1 and 2, which is the creation 
story, and now Genesis 3 begins the fall and fallout. And also I think there's going to be a shift where for Genesis 1 and 2, intentionally we spent a good amount of time talking about different contemporary issues that felt important to do our best to unpack the scriptures and and try to try to wrestle with. I think starting in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to get more back to the rhythm of not bringing in as many topical issues as much as letting the scriptures speak. And that's a welcome change of pace. I'm I'm pretty pretty exhausted after <laughs> some topical sermons. Um, if if I ever tap out of of preaching ministry, it'll be because uh, sometimes when you speak topically, you know that some you can't not leave some people feeling upset. So I get that and I feel it and. Hopefully, hopefully this sermon about bad news from Genesis chapter three was a happy one. <laughs> I mean, I so I literally was just listening to a podcast from uh, about the Enneagram personality type. And my mm-hmm. personality type loves to sit in the like in the message of, of probably the fall where like I'm, right. I'm telling myself messages of like I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy, which is not the direction of the actual conviction. Puts <laughs> in, but um but the 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 message of sinfulness and the fall does resonate so deeply as like true that it it almost yeah. seems to speak for itself to me. Uh, whereas l- these topical sermons you've been doing, I can imagine you've had to do a lot more external reading and um, trying to listen to many different sides on the issue. But um, it is really hard to like. I, I, there are people who don't believe in um, original sin or mm-hmm. they don't believe in, they believe in man's goodness over right. yeah. man's fallenness. I and believe so people are basically good, that, that sort of idea. Right. So there's, there's definitely people who are coming from a different perspective, but this seems so clear to me, the, like, the fallen nature of my own heart and of the people around me, that it, to me, um, it makes sense. And yeah. so... As you approach this concept, like, what are you hoping for in unpacking it for the congregation? Like, what are you burdened to get across? You said what I had in my notes right here on to bring up, uh, as we call it, Stormy Monday. Taking time to sit with the bad news of of sin, I guess, for Enneagram 4s. <laughs> Love <laughs> it's, it. <laughs> it's, you know, nice and juicy. Uh, nice, languorous, lounging around with... With some some bad news, as the melancholy hurts so You're good. You're typecasting me, but I am. The but that's what I want us. That's what I want us to do. As you know, culturally, we may be onto shiny object to shiny object to shiny object. Hopefully, here at Liberty Collingswood, we give an opportunity for people to unplug a little bit and go on some slow cook and some simmers and wrapping our minds and hearts around the idea of. Our sinful condition is a deep part of the swimming pool, but I think a necessary one, or else we're left, I think, with more unexplained than explained about ourselves and about our world. Sure. Um, yeah. I Wanting see that to get sure. that across, that's what I was burdened by. Right. Um, definitely see that. Definitely see how it could... I don't know. When I when your question is like, what was God doing in you last week? But I, I do feel like, and again, it could be partly an Enneagram 4, but partly like human condition is that... There, that's the reason we have confession every week. Like yeah. there, there are moments to pause and think about 
sinfulness and how um, my sinfulness or brokenness or failings um, inform my daily life or affect the people around me. Um, and I think it's it's just a it's a good and healthy message to like think about what does what does God intend by this? Why did He create the world this way? What are the ramifications? Mm-hmm. So, um, moving on to Sun Studios and the presence of the Lord, yes. that phrase is actually in this passage. Tell us more about this specific <laughs> passage. What you must have seen that did, was that in your notes also? Well, I'm not sure what what the, the phrase, the phrase presence, Sun Studios no, is the in Genesis chapter three. Presence of the Lord. Oh, I, I oh had you not hadn't seen noticed that. it. What? Oh yeah, for a second. I was waiting that. for the sermon call out oh. during the during your sermon, and no, oh. you didn't call out the podcast there. Oh no, I'm I'm losing my touch. I'm just so beaten up and bruised and battered right now. That Where is your I'm close not, close reading of the text? Where's my face? Oh, oh yeah, okay. I'm I'm off my game, but I'm getting back on right now. So, Genesis chapter three verses. Did you even read this passage? One to. <laughs> I, I just, well, I, I said at the beginning of the sermon that I spent some time in Mr. Googly. Maybe it was sermons from Genesis 3 that I was Googling. The, what else have you been Googling? At, at, at the beginning. So, well, you do get reports. So anyway, the uh, with Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, this is the fall where first Eve and then Adam eat the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then things fall apart from there i think another shift m from genesis 1 and 2 to this one at the level of biblical interpretation is that at least on the surface genesis 1 and 2 are pretty easy to interpret so the uh, ramifications really well, wait, 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 hold on the the i grew up in a household that believed differently but <laughs> so the the, the implications, the unpacking, that's where it gets complicated. But surface reading of the text, I think pretty easy. God, God created the world, and he did it over this period of days, bit by bit, and it is what it is, and it's actually really awesome. I think for here, the difference more at the level of first reading, I think there are more questions about what's going on. So I think the what's going on question is easier with Genesis 1 and 2, trying to understand at the level of text and story. What's going on here? Things like, where did the serpent come from? I mentioned that at some point in the sermon. And then also questions about what's the nature of the sin, more specifically for Adam and for Eve? What was going on in their hearts? Where did they transgress and how? So, it was fun to put on my biblical interpretation hat. And so there, there are other ideas about, you know, what constituted the sin of Eve. I went in the direction of being anxious or insecure for more, uh, staking a claim to moral autonomy when the fruit was eaten. But, but there are other interpretive options, whether it's knowledge of, knowledge of sex, knowledge of, oh man, I forgot blanking out on some of the other interpretations right now but 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 there are but there are other options with exactly where where the fall is located in the human heart so made some interpretive choices that i feel good about and were fun and tried to carry the sermon forward from there and i also really really at the level of story um love the idea 
or love the the love the slide of the story. It it is I think a really masterfully told tale where first Satan comes in very obliquely, slithering sideways. Did God actually say? But then the attack on what God has said becomes more direct, and then there's a step by step declension that we see first in Eve and then in Adam. So it it is a really great it is a really great story. Right. And actually, though, that does bring up one of the challenges. And this could be a muddying the waters thing. So you could kick it there or Uh, move us there, whatever the case is. But you addressed multiple times that um, part of our cultural reading or skeptics reading would be that this is a fairy tale. It is a story. It's a constructed story. So what are the uh, where you found that as a challenge? um, What were you what were you trying to say to the skeptic who feels that? Let's wait till muddying the waters for that. (laughs) I I have two other things. (laughs) I have two other things at this point. Why why are you just not speaking into the microphone yourself? (laughs) What is my role here? People don't like solo podcasts. People... This is how we, this is how we, it is in my household. That our our actually, kids call this is the only time that it's like this. <laughs> our kids in our call household. their dad the Reverend Pastor, Mister <laughs> Doctor James Baker, before they right. get permission to yes get a napkin. So actually, you pass out napkins quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, it's not a metaphor. I do pass out a lot of napkins in our household. So two two quick things um, with presence of the Lord, and then we can get. And I think I think you're asking the right question about where where all of this is going. Just not the right timing. <laughs> there we go. When the time is right, the post Sunday. I don't Christian understand these. I don't understand so, these categories. I did mention in the sermon that people could listen into the podcast. Oh yeah, I, I wrote down you hit podcast note, but my brain had missed it because oh. I was like. I don't know where my brain went. <laughs> right. What were you supposed to talk about in <laughs> so, the So why, why did God allow the fall in the first place? That's the question that oh. has puzzled Jewish and Christian interpreters. You said it so quickly. I'm sure you didn't really want to cover it. Well, it's actually it's really bigger, interesting. And no, it is. It's just so much bigger. Yeah. Like it's, it is one of those um, sit, sit and talk about for hours type of questions. Right. So it's, it's a species of the question problem of evil and both jewish and christian interpreters of genesis 3 and the scriptures more generally ask the question why why does or how does a good god allow slash permit slash countenance evil in the world does this mean that god is actually not good does this mean that evil is not actually evil does this mean that god's not actually in control lots of good questions I'm, I've always been intrigued by the fact that Genesis chapter 3, that the author makes no attempt to answer those questions, but just gives it as a stated fact. And I've been intrigued as well over the years to keep reading the scriptures. And I think there are triangulated rationales and threads that... Triangulated rationales and threads. People. <laughs> so you you only ever approach why did God allow the fall asymptotically to put it oh, in other gosh. terms. So <laughs> Do I look the, like Scott Flovin? <laughs> the, so in in, in asymptote, uh, everybody knows that I'm that I'm totally into to math and axes and stuff. So an asymptote is a curve that approaches an axis but never actually 
gets there. So there's no Bible verse or set of Bible verses that comes out and says, this is why God allowed sin and evil in the world. It, we get approaches from, from different angles to that question. And I do believe that the Bible says that God is in control of all things. One of the, so a couple of answers that I, that I don't agree with. One says, well, God, God isn't in control of all things. I think that that's pretty clearly stated in the opposite direction. There's mystery into human agency under a sovereign God that's in control of all things, but that is something that's clearly and repeatedly stated in the scriptures. Sure. Other people say that evil might not be evil, uh, but to me, just look around. And then the, the last thing I'll mention here, maybe, so we're not totally lost in asymptotes, is the free will defense. Mm -hmm. So, well, God valued the free will of creatures so much that if in our free will, our first parents chose sin, he wasn't going to stop us because Mm -hmm. free will is the primary value. So coming from the stream in which I locate myself from the Reformation, Reformation or Reformed theology, that, that explanation, while at the surface, can seem actually pretty plausible, breaks down in a couple of different ways. One is that even if God chose to allow free will to usher sin into the world, ultimately it's still God's choice. Mm -hmm. So you're actually not letting God off the hook in the way that you think you are if you take a free will defense. And then in addition to that, I don't see any Bible verse or set of Bible verses that say free will is God's primary value. Mm-hmm. And there's no there's no statement that says, oh, God yeah. let all this happen because he, he values the free will in creatures. So lots of questions raised by, by what I just said. But this whole free will idea actually comes much, much more from Greco-Roman world right. and philosophy. Western culture. Right. And Proto-Western culture, Greco-Roman, and simply is not something that the Judeo-Christian... <laughs> spends a lot of time considering on its own terms. So right. Helen Wolves, you there's, don't need to write in and say, hey, Jim said that he was going to talk about something, but he ended up not talking yeah, about it. There's there. probably more to talk about if you wanted to. Yeah, feel free, Helen Wolves. Postsundayblues at gmail.com if you'd want to go more in that direction. And then the other thing, Em, and Eric Mitchell, who's going to preach on the second half of Genesis chapter 3 in a couple of weeks, there is this connection between Adam and Jesus that I tried to flesh out a mm-hmm. little bit. Jesus, right. the second Adam. So it's it's not a coincidence that at the beginning of the creation of Adam and Eve, Satan comes to tempt Adam and Eve, but then also at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Satan reappears again. Right. And if we... The, the typology between Adam and Jesus is such that as we fall in Adam... By faith, we stand in Jesus, the one who did not succumb to temptation, but was victorious over it in our place. Yeah, that's... Um, I More think to that's come our... on that this coming week. Oh, good. Spoilers ahead, but no. But I, <laughs> good spoilers. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Em. No, no, no. No, I think my... Um, I think it's really clear that uh, Jesus is a, is a second Adam and um, yeah. that, there's, that there's moments there of freedom and um thinking about the 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 storyline again um it resonates really really uh again as true to me the one story of the world true story of the world 
Can we move on now? Yes. Muddying the waters. <laughs> your favorite section. Okay, back to my question, if you can remember it. Yes. So. <laughs> More talking from Jim. Can, blah, 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 blah. Can you remember it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was saying uh, the that a common skeptic reading of this is just to say it's a fairy, a fairy tale, tale or a, a narrative meant to, you know, push a group of people into, like, yeah certain boundaries and religion and blah 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 yes so what makes it yeah that's a different dif- that's a different that's a specific context um you're trying to address here and right. i think you acknowledged it yeah i i did try to engage with it a little bit and sorry to keep throwing out maybe maybe it's uh maybe this is the podcast from last week rubbing off again but one one more big word the the word is etiology etiology is a type of story I am just given Jim by a, a look, by the way, just so people know. Religious tradition that starts with the current state of affairs in the world and then goes back and tells, creates, fabulates an origin story to make sense of current reality. Mm-hmm. So it's starting in the present and going back. So the question is, fairy tale, is this an etiology? So biblical writers saw that there was something wrong in the world and they went back and told told this this explanation of it. In in some ways that's an unanswerable question. You can't the you can't prove that one came before the other. Right. Because you can't go back go back in time and see. Unless you can. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know. I've been watching too much Marvel, we'll, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like something on Substack. The in my opinion, one, this story is portrayed as as history and I think there's something to taking the scriptures at their at their word here and in all places. But what always gets me, and I felt this again when I was studying this passage, two things. One, it is so human. I, I think I I think I mentioned in passing that unlike a lot of other ancient literature, Adam and Eve seem so current and contemporary mm-hmm. here but they actually do what you would expect people yeah to they do. seem like people and they, they they don't feel like cardboard characters that are just made up and given lines to say in some stilted way so i could totally see and say that you and i were were adam and i would fr- never <laughs> we we can see ourselves we can see ourselves doing doing the same thing so Incredibly and recognizably human. You would blame me. Passage. No, <laughs> that, that would be the difference. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that would be different. Touche. And and then also, it's confirming to me that at the very beginning of the scriptures, the question is raised: "What's wrong with us?" Mm-hmm. Which was the structuring of rhetorically question for the. For, for the whole sermon there, there there's got to be something and every system worth its salt in the world comes back to this question and what do you know front and center at the beginning of the bible that's what we're wrestling with here right um what is wrong with you <laughs> you almost I, spit I, out I, your tea <laughs> almost did a spit take there <laughs> Almost what destroyed my, my microphone. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Preaching is cheaper you know, than I, therapy. I actually, We've been over that. I feel like I may have said that to one of the kids before, so it was very convicting. If any of you guys listening to the sermon have said that to your children, <laughs> like it's really okay. Like yeah. it's not okay, but was 
was Jesse paying attention enough to whisper to you? Oh, Dad tells me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dad. Uh, Jesse gave no feedback. Okay. At, uh, outside of like how your water bottle was squeaking earlier. The dolphin like, water yeah, bottle. Yeah, she. Um, oh, that was a guitar. When slim that happened. Oh well. Oh, I'm jumping ahead to guitar <laughs> slim pickings. When you like sipped from your water bottle and it was like I had silent. A very noisy water bottle. Silent in the. Sunday. It sounds like a like a porpoise. Uh, yeah so jesse like looked at me and was mortified (laughs) so makes a squeaking clipping sound that yes her dad is so embarrassing (laughs) yeah well it happens the so we muddy the waters including with water bottles that are incredibly noisy and to to go a little bit deeper with uh what's wrong with us question um and i mentioned every system what what convinces me of christian truth is this shoe fits really well so so other other popular ideas about what's wrong with us whether in the east or west ancient or modern well you could say that the material world is 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 the problem but that's at least at odds with the biblical story because god created the world good very emphatically in in genesis 1 and 2 Another another common answer coming from the East is our desire. The fact that we are creatures that desire, the fact that there's any part of us that I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Hmm, that sounds familiar. The, the way to transcend what we perceive to be the problem is to renounce any and all desires. Biblical anthropology and construction of personhood says that there is a good created horizon to desire and so eliminating desire actually means that we eliminate our humanity Mm -hmm. and then a thoroughgoing western materialist view what's wrong with with us the answer is nothing so right just Just, in the sense of hey just try harder well at the oh yeah just embrace yourself as Oh, you are that part? No, I I was oh. going in a different direction, oh, okay. but 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 that's also true. So so two senses. One, the moral sense, and M. This is what you were just saying. What's wrong with us? Nothing. You're already awesome and perfect, and don't let anybody tell tell you different. So you know, self esteem, sort of coaching. And I think there are you know we do want our own kids to have good self esteem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's not the worst idea ever, but it's extremely under nuanced and. Whether parenting or otherwise, if you tell people, hey, you are awesome all the time, no matter what, mm-hmm. you're de-equipping them to actually be able to deal with their own junk and their own bad right. news. Right. They're not able to admit it. Or they feel, like, ashamed that they feel a certain way. Like, so yeah. with parenting for us, I feel like our kids feel, and me, myself, also feel more free if you acknowledge that, like, yeah, you're feeling like you are not good enough or like that it wasn't perfect so you were terrible and that feeling is is right because we aren't all perfect but like accepting God's grace and love for us even though we're not perfect so then you're acknowledging their you're not discounting their their feeling of I didn't live up to this standard you're you're saying no you didn't and it and that's okay like I love you God loves you yeah Um, but you're not just saying oh no you're perfect you did you did perfectly because they know what I mean my our kids have a knowledge of what perfect means and they have this internal driver that's it's not me (laughs) yeah 
well, sometimes it's me. Um, but they have an internal driver that says they're not perfect. Um, and right. that internal voice is what's speaking to them. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so the gospel, it enables us to be honest about brokenness, but within a frame of hopefulness. And I think apart from the grace of Jesus, it's really hard to be able to do both of those things well. And mm-hmm. yeah, if, if, if you're only ever perfect, you're either setting people up to be blind and arrogant and unaware of their own shortcomings, faults, and in the biblical language, sin, or just to be shattered and guilty when, hey, I thought yeah. I was perfect. and Everyone else says, is perfect, and I'm right. not. I'm not actually. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm faking it, and it feels kind of cruddy to fake it. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and then the other nothing is not in a moral sense, but in a, in a material sense where human beings and the progress of history in the world is truly blind and valueless. It's just spinning in directions. Right. There's, there's no... There's no actual right and wrong. Or yeah, there's actual. no actual right and wrong, good and evil. So a, a, a good action has really no additional value versus a bad action. And we're just painting constellations on faceless collections of stars that are purposeless. But then I think there's just a really deep moral intuition in the other direction that hey, when things are wrong, it feels really wrong. Mm-hmm. And you know, our, our legal system, for example, mm-hmm. and legal systems around the world, uh, when you commit a crime, you're, you, you probably shouldn't tell a judge, well, Your Honor, what we call right and wrong are just blind biological functions as we continue to spin forward an evolutionary process. So I, I'm considering myself innocent because there's no such thing as guilt. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. So a couple other options. I think politically, what's wrong? Uh, money. Uh, so, so and, and, and these are things with grains of truth. You know, what's wrong? Is it money? Mm-hmm. Is it oppression? And to over-stereotype views both on the hyper-right and, and hyper-left. If on the hyper-right, what's wrong? Well, it's minorities. On the hyper-left, what's wrong? Well, it's it, it, it's the majority. I think the problem with, with that sort of view, again, is that it's under-nuanced. And we're under-appreciating our own roles and what's wrong with the world in mm-hmm. either case. So just demonizing the other side as a way to explain what's wrong doesn't get you where you want to go either. Yeah, for sure. Do you have anything else to say under the category <laughs> mudding the waters? <laughs> so the shoe fits. In, in, biblical, in the biblical world, we have corrupted desires and we are insecure for more. Mm-hmm. We think that God doesn't have enough for us. We twist God's word around. And do we want to be morally autonomous creatures that believe that we ourselves are judge, jury, and executioner, the perfect interpreter of all things? Yes, Absolutely, yes. Did. Yeah, so it, it, it fits. And let's see, mudding the waters again. Wait, so... I. Yeah, this is like the juicy tidbit for people who are listening. Juicy this far. tidbit. But like, I think that you continued to like me when we were starting to date date each other, and I was trying to break up with you. Mm-hmm. I think it was because I was calling you on this. Like, no one else in your life was calling you against this, like <laughs> this, like mantra that you were telling yourself that you were in charge, you were bred to be in charge, you were the greatest <laughs> apple pie. I 
this random freshman girl, I'm going to do your laundry because you're just cute and helpless and charming. That That's not me. That's your other little friends. <laughs> but I was like, Go I on. don't like guys like that. Right. <laughs> I like people who are authentic and who like talk about what they're really struggling with and the fact that they are struggling. And yeah, I think you liked me because of that. That is true that you were you were different you i i settled i settled down with uh with the woman that was not drinking the jim anger kool-aid and i was i was intrigued (laughs) (laughs) i still am so that's it's like who is this guy who thinks this guy's a sham yeah what i don't know i like him but medicine man snake oil (laughs) speaking of snake oil that was your tidbit for the that was the the audience tidbit thank you for listening you can probably turn off actually your cover your cover tune like you had a lot of references you probably want to stick around for that too wait what (laughs) segue speaking of snake oil satan so gave a little (laughs) bit of (laughs) sometimes jim is trying to get us to track again the Gave a little bit of an of, of an apologetic for for the devil or or Satan, drawing on uh, "Live No Lies" from 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 John Mark Comer, and tried to say, "Hey, there's u- universal intuition that there is a personified evil right. in the world beyond beyond any of us." And then just wanting to dig in practically, just for a moment here, um, unpacking levels of alienation, alienated from God, from other people, from ourselves. And hopefully this wasn't just all theory on Sunday morning. Driving, as I got to the end of the sermon, to get people to own their own bad news mm-hmm. and have the courage, by the grace of Jesus, to look in the mirror and say, I'm not all that. Uh, but then encouraging people at the very end of the sermon, and I hope people are trying this even over the past couple of days, when you have those, did God actually say moments when we just want to take what's ours and are insecure for more uh, that's where we cry out for help to god right so, so that we can be settled and insecure and how god has made us and what he's given us so that we're not exercising this will to power over and over and over again in violation of god and against other people sure no true true stuff all right, and act- you, so you used a lot of bar band cover tunes mm. references to drive home that point of yep. the uh, the point of it being difficult in our cultural moment to admit our wrong, yep. our faults. Um, yeah, I think you were you're like reference full this my, week. My reference game was was yeah, all I right. Think, um, your Philadelphia self hatred mm. conceptually. What is wrong with Philadelphia sports? That that I hear often in your recounting about Philadelphia sports. So, so when I slag on Philadelphia sports and sermons, it's not unusual for me. Did you get, to the, get the like sad back. eyes back from? <laughs> <laughs> well, for 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 people that haven't listened to a ton of my sermons or don't know me very well, do you well even like Philadelphia? That's the one. <laughs> Wait, so is Jim a Philadelphia sports fan or not? Does he does he like? Philadelphia sports teams or hate Philadelphia sports teams? And I say those are very different questions. And, and you can answer. The answer is both. Yes to one. And Strongly no to both. Right. Yeah. So that's that, that's that's true. Philadelphia self-hatred. Yeah. It's continuing. I, I spent my breakfast brows 
looking at mock trades for Ben Simmons and thinking that I was it's a it's Stockholm syndrome end. sort of situation. It's never gonna end. Yeah. I'm the Don't keep I'm reading. the victim. I'm the victim. Um we'll skip over the thing that you said you didn't want to you didn't mean to mention. And uh, <laughs> referenced Fonzie from Happy Days, which I've never seen. I never saw Happy Days. You never saw Happy Days. <sighs> it was in syndication when when we would have yeah, been. Yeah, I, I kind of vaguely up. remember my brother watched it, but oh. I think it was more the kind of thing I'd walk in and then walk out of the room. When when you were say say elementary school, middle school, mm-hmm. would you? TV watch in the afternoon after school, whether yeah, cartoons or Yeah, that was like Cosby shows. Show, Growing Pains, okay, um, Full House. Mm. It's like sitcom, sitcom. Not, yeah. not um, Happy Days. I think was earlier time period. Like, yeah, it was. More it was like in a, the seventies. Or may, maybe like, I've always kind 80s, of not liked like quote unquote like older shows. Uh-huh. That's prob- That's very biased. Like when. When I was taking film studies courses, anytime there was like a classic movie, like uh, what's the Christmas movie I hate? It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never actually I just seen that like, one either. I just like Blink and I, I don't know. So Happy Days is actually in that category for me. Okay. Happy Days and Cheers both are like, eh. That's fine. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. Did you though? <laughs> I, I feel did. like you I, didn't. I, really I feel liked like Happy you Days. didn't actually watch it. You did? No, I did. I did really, really liked it. You have a you have a young Pat Morita, and you have Henry Winkler as the Fonz, Ron Howard as Richie. Is it Richie? And yeah, yeah, Richie, and yeah, it's great. See, I liked like I liked like Full House, Al Most, Growing Pains, and like <laughs> the nice little families, uh, family life drama. That, 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 no, that, I'm that's, on, that, that's on the lower end of middle brow. <laughs> uh, on Saga. a higher brow, you mentioned G. H. Chesterton. Well, that was from David as liturgist, so I hadn't planned oh. on putting that in. So he, you, you David pulled a great pulling. quote yep. from Chesterton Go, during the call to confession. A little too high I, for Jim. The, <laughs> yeah, I got to got to keep up with my liturgists. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we had that. Saul Bellow had two quotes. Oh yeah. The so. one I want, I want, I want, I want is kind of like a give me at this point. It's how the many sermons? Hit. How many sermons have you used that? Um, that quote in. So I, I've used it a lot, but I haven't been back to Henderson, the Rain King in a while. In the earlier days of Liberty Callingswood, I would quote that book constantly to the point where a lot of people at church started read it. Reading. I yeah. s- read it. I, s- I read it. I started reading it deeply and mm-hmm. then I started skim reading it. And then I was like, why? <laughs> why is this in Jim's like top five hits? Like what? Right. I, I don't get it. I yeah oh, I do great. not I Saul just is awesome. I do not relate to that narrator. He's just weird. Like I relate to the concept of like wanting more. Like uh-huh. that is definitely an yeah. internal struggle. I'm like constantly looking at CB2 clearance pages, like right. hoping and wishing for more furniture. But the the Saul Bellow character in that novel is just like ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I look in the mirror, I see Saul Bellow. So. There we go. I also don't like your the books. Fits. The books with the depressed females either. They're also like entirely too relatable. <laughs> like I can't handle it. Those are some great ones. <laughs> you have so many books that I can't handle. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. So we had Saul Bellow. 
Also, W.G. Siebold, a German mm-hmm. author who seems like has been problematized over the past couple of years for some plagiarism reasons, but mm. went ahead and quoted him anyway, talking about, he said that birds build the same nests over and over again for thousands of years, but we exceed our limits and boundaries. Sure. Love that quote talking about autonomy and making ourselves too big. You're and saying we can't move. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 can't buy, I can't get my minimalist. I do not want a tiny house. Tiny house face. <laughs> I'm, I'm large. I contain but multitudes HGTV of stuff. says that if I start <laughs> over again. All right. So uh, John Mark Comer, Live No Lies, The Satan Stuff, quoted from Revelation about the Satan as the serpent. Uh, James 1, sure. talking about each person when he is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death that is a great one-stop shopping bible verse that's james or two verses mm-hmm. james 1 14 and 15 that to me captures the inner workings of our desires really really well so mm-hmm. love that verse from james quoted a long passage at the end of the sermon from from matthew the for the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom mm, of God. Consider mm-hmm. the lilies of the field. It's, it's, I violated a rule of preaching 101, giving a long quote of anything at the end of the sermon when people's listening. Yeah, listening I didn't, I don't think are, I wrote it down. down so maybe so. you shouldn't have violated that. Mm. Okay. Well, um, I really literally did not write that down. What was I thinking at that point? <laughs> That's, Sorry, confessions. It's proof of um, concept. It is proof of, proof of concept. So you people who are preachers who are trying to glean from my excellent husband here. <laughs> there we go. Don't yeah. be tempted. <laughs> all, 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 all two of you. The um, but this, the serpent ones, I'm just going back really fast. Like I wrote down in a comment, like you also had people look at the, um, like, like or think of um, Eve with the eyes eyes of a woman widened and you referenced a disney film which i thought was interesting because you yeah. you had on the counter also been saying this is not a fairy tale mm-hmm. but it when yeah, i that's true. think about this when i think about this story and how um how it does feel like you can be present in in a story i also feel like god does weave store like god uses story in our lives like it's always like fic- when you're you're drawing from these references. I just like was complaining about Saul Bellow or also these mm-hmm. other female authors that write depressive characters. Like they are stories that resonate with us. I think because God is a God of story. So the fact that like you can vividly picture Adam and Eve and the serpent being Satan, um, and that that story resonates as true or having truth. Like, I think that's part of God's design in also, like, making us feel like we're part of our a story. Like, whether it's God's story or, like, just even if you're not a believer, like, there's a story and a purpose behind the things in your life that um, call, this, uh, call into question, like, it does feel like life happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, th- events and things happen. Yeah. Um, because God's like carrying you in his in his story so. yeah our god is a god of stories and a well-told story in the scriptures doesn't mean that it's untrue right also last reference from bar band cover tunes um the book that arrived at our house a couple of weeks ago and you laughed at me 
Giacomo Leopardi, the Zibaldone. Oh gosh. Can anyone spell that? <laughs> Zibaldone. How would anyone even look it up? Like, uh, like if they wanted to know what you were talking about, I think there would be no concept. I can't even look it up, and I have it in my house. Love it. So start starting the <laughs> starting the Zibaldone, a deeply religiously skeptical Italian writer who still held to the truth of the fall as the one part of Christian theology and history that he retained. You're explaining him. You're explaining him as the band that other ba- famous bands all. The band to. behind the band. Yeah. yeah. That that actually resonates as true. Although I don't listen to music, so who's an example of a band behind a band? Uh, Velvet Underground, Lou Reed. Got nothing. Okay. Who was Bruce Springsteen's band behind the band? Ooh, you'll have to you'll have to wait for this other podcast that we're working on to oh find find more there. Teasers. There we go. Um. Any other leftovers stories behind your sermon? The guitar Slim Pickens, I I did. Your water bottle. The, there was a water bottle that sounds like a dolphin. And then I did take a mulligan when I was talking about big loser energy in Philadelphia sports. I, I named Jalen Rager, who is sort of the, the, the goat, not as in greatest of all time, but the scapegoat for all of the Eagles oh, problems right now. Was anyone right going now. to actually be offended by that comment? I'm I just don't curious. know. It's, is it, I, I kind of feel like it's bad. It, it's he's bad so, form he's to like bad, bad form in a, in a sermon. Except Ben Simmons. To, to call. <laughs> that's, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. So, so, so maybe the Jalen Rager was fine after all. But He's but, as bad as Ben guy. Simmons. In a different, no, no, well, no one is no, as bad as Ben Simmons. The, the, the psychological Torture hurricane of Ben Simmons is on a different of a different category <laughs> than than Jalen Rager. I feel Jalen like Rager you've also thrown uh, Carson Wentz under the bus. Oh yeah, so like Threw him under you the have Wentz a, wagon. you have a category of people who are allowed to be thrown under the bus. Oh, that's good. So <laughs> so to me, with the big contract superstars, I think they're more fair game to slag on. But for oh, these poor working. Yeah, the no names. the the plebes. Jalen Rager was a high draft pick, so okay. there's a whole story there. But, but he was trying. Well, oh, we're, okay. we're not. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm not even sure he was, but he he's he somebody that's completely the dumped yeah. on. Yeah. By. Uh, I, he's got it enough. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was piling on. <laughs> it's a, a moment of weakness because Philadelphia has, has been so devastating to you. I've been trying, guys, yep. to like make Jim a non-sports fan, but it's not working. Mm. Also <laughs> true. Um, arguing that it's so painful, you guys, people who still love your sports teams. Yeah, I don't know why I do it. Anyway, uh, I got nothing. Do you got anything? Holland Wolves, did anyone speak to you? Uh, no Holland Wolves from this past week, although, well, I won't say that. People were excited to, people missed you and were excited to hear. So nobody wrote in, but people were excited to hear uh, Scott Flovin. Yeah, I listened. It was it was good. It was, or it is good to tap your um, intellectual brain, which I can't do clearly, but <laughs> not clearly. I don't mean it as a. Uh, I think you're very smart. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> People have different skill sets, and my skill set is not going to be drawing a theological conversation with you, but um, I appreciated that Scott was able to do that. So. Yeah. 
it's good to get some variety. He did a great job and was affirmed by wide acclaim. That's good. Good stuff. Um, and then coming up, Em, over the next couple of weeks, this coming Sunday is Network Sunday for all the churches in the Liberty Network communion. And so Steve Huber is going to be preaching over video. I'm going to try to get Steve to come on Post Sunday Blues. We haven't had him on in a while. So Steve I'll Huber. be interviewing him for this coming week as he gives us his State of the Union Liberty I'll Network. I'll try to write in a really terrible question. Feel free. <laughs> this this question comes from Helen Wolf Emily. <laughs> that would be great. You guys can be anonymous if you want. I yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be good to hear from good old Steve. Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. We we still don't have enough ratings on Spotify to go public with the five star ratings rating. Matter. I feel like I need this. So I don't feel like it's that because I was I was thinking about podcasts. And it's, it's really word of mouth. It's really more like, do you have people in your life? Like maybe they're even at church and have no idea that the two of us are talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it, if you do like the banter or the thinking a little bit more about the sermon, like for me, my podcast feed is like Survivor, Bachelor, uh, very, very trivial stuff. And mm-hmm. every once in a while, like I do want content that is deeper like i'd say like the deeper content that i have is uh personality con- like topics as well as um Enneagram. higher learning which is a ringer podcast yeah. um by two black people kind of with black news but they keep it they keep it bantery enough keep that i snappy. really enjoy hearing it and almost that's like what i'm kind of aiming for like i, I think it's important to talk about important yeah. issues but um you guys get a feel for the like relationship that jim and i have sadly i don't like revealing it but, um <laughs> I it's about relationships that if you it's know, about like, people people are listening to podcasts all of, like all <laughs> the time like it's filling your space so if you feel like you know someone who like fills their space with podcasts mm-hmm. and is interested in hearing what your church might be like yeah like i think that's to me that is more important than giving us give us a, a rating give us a share yeah, yeah that's how i feel because I don't care if you rate this podcast. Well, I do. <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Did you miss me? <laughs> I did miss you. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I always do. Not even Valentine's Day. <laughs> you love Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs>